Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Jenny Queen, and you are listening to So What Do You Do All Day? I am here with John Owen. He is the pastor and CEO of Wayside Chapel, but a man of so many different talents, wearing so many different hats, that I think I'm going to let him introduce himself a bit. John, first, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody on the show. So what do you do all day? I do a lot of things. Uh, so first of all, I am a husband to Lisa, and we've been together nearly 20 years now, and we met at work. She was my boss. Uh, she we, is your boss or she was your boss? Well, she always will be my boss. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, w- we were working together in the same place. Uh, she was running a refuge for women, escaping uh, difficult domestic situations, and I was uh, working with men who were in and out of prison, sometimes... Uh, working with the same family unit, uh, mm. but separately but close by. And so we met and we always say it was love at first crisis. <laughs> and uh, we have been together ever since and we have three girls. So that is, that's another thing I do all day is I'm a dad, husband, I'm a dad, I'm a son. Uh, I've got beautiful parents who are in lockdown in Melbourne at the moment. And I have three sisters who um, between us we have ten daughters no sons or all daughters really yeah you should see family gatherings they are chaos <laughs> so apart from that and then i uh, get up and i head into here to wayside chapel where um i get to the privilege of leading an organization that's been going since the 60s uh and which is uh now on the streets of king's cross as well as bondi beach and through covid we've uh, gone from our locations to everywhere you know we're doing a significant amount of outreach in uh, in vans, but also in foot patrols, just really getting out there. Our mission is about creating community. You know, when uh, Lisa and I went on honeymoon, uh, we uh, didn't go to the standard place. We uh, ended up, I wanted to go to the beach. She said, no, no, this is about two people with strong values and with a call on their lives to go out and continue to uh, live faithfully to what's on their hearts to do. So we went to Calcutta and we volunteered uh, at Mother Teresa's Home for the Dying. And, uh, you know, we uh, spent the mornings there and the afternoons in the orphanage there. Okay, that's really extraordinary. Um, you know, I went, I went to Fiji. <laughs> but, yeah. um, that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to get a suntan. And wow. so, you know, we, um, we ended up there in Calcutta and, and, you know, you'd read a lot of Mother Teresa's literature. And two of the things that really stood out to me uh, that have guided me for life and guided us on our married life is uh, she would say that... Um, First of all, uh, you know, she said, you don't speak, you don't speak um, 
Bengali, which is the language. So, you know, you are to be there in the hospice for the dying where people are left in the last few days and weeks of their lives. She said, every action you take, let it communicate universal love to this person. Mm. So you might be washing them, you might be singing to them, you might be drawing a catheter, you know, Mm. to help them. But let every one of your actions communicate love. And then the other thing she said uh, was that that the – the West needs her far more than the lepers of Calcutta. Mm. And uh, you can't reconcile that in your head until you... The next thing she used to say is that loneliness is the leprosy of the West. Absolutely. Look, we lived in a slum for three months and uh, worked with a team there and we brought out some people who... uh, There was a cook and she started a cookbook and uh, her name was Poo. So we called the book Cooking with Poo. <laughs> and uh, she was an amazing cook. And uh, then all of a sudden, Jamie Oliver tweeted about it. And so uh, all of a sudden, it went viral and she was booked out across the world. Oh. And uh, she did tours through Australia. And she was shocked when she came to Australia because she stayed with us uh, in a housing commission estate. And she would say, You know, I was expecting to come to this country and see wealth everywhere. But she then saw kids riding their bikes at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And she said that would never happen where we are. And we had to say that the streets are usually for those kids a safer place than their own beds at night. So she was really shocked by that, that kind of unhealthy community, but then also that lack of connection to community is something, you know, the isolated individual that we've come to kind of idealise in Western culture. Yeah, that's a big problem for me for Western culture. It's funny because I love Westerns. Mm. I love all the Clint Eastwood (laughs) movies and Westerns. But that very idea, uh, you know, of the man with no name is, um, you know, it's not healthy. It's not a way to bring up a child. It's not a way to um, live together in, in love. Uh, and and I think that's kind of half the idea, you know, you, you need to sort of join together in love and in um, compassion. And I, I don't think it's a thing that happens. At the With moment. connection, you know, and yeah. like I, I totally agree. John Wayne, uh, you know, those kinds of characters, you know, they, they don't need anyone and, you know, they, they haven't served us well. And so there's a thread here though, Jenny, I'm getting to it, is, you know, our big, you know, through COVID we've seen a lot of people are talking about, oh, let's help people in need, let's get them food. You know, the food is a vehicle to connection, you know, and so what we've been doing is we've learned how to create connection outside of bricks and mortar. You know, Wayside is famous for having the doors open. You can collapse here on the worst day of your life and you'll be met with love, not a clipboard. Mm. And so now we've had to say, look, we can't operate at 12, 14 hours a day having 20, 30, 40, 100 people in the building. It's how do we get out there? How do we create connections with people? Uh, How do we help people realise that they're not alone, that they're not isolated, that they're not forgotten? So we've been doing a significant amount of outreach through the last few months and I think we're going to continue to do it until, you know, we can lift restrictions and we're currently in what our uh, our politicians call a stage two a scenario and I suspect that it's not going to get much better than this for quite a while 12 months probably from now and uh, but you know it can quickly get worse and we'll adjust mm-hmm. but you know from now from here till the for this foreseeable future the outreach and street patrols are going to be another core part of our DNA heading forward so yeah. I get to uh, be a part of running that or organization that does that can and I then ask you about this the outreach um mm. that you're doing right now and now you said you're using the vans and what really targeting people who are sleeping rough yeah. through COVID and right now there's been a big 
focus on getting people into hotel rooms. Yeah. So that's been really a successful program. Really? And the government's been participating with it and helping support people stay in hotels has been a big key part of our work. And then uh, some hotels have amenities, some don't. So we've been providing some of those, you know, like toiletry, shampoo, you know, basics. And then we've over the years placed a lot of people in public housing towers. So we're going to visit in those towers and just see what they need. So, we, you know, we found a, a beautiful young single mum who was trying to find knit lotion for her four kids and, you know, just going out would have to take four kids out to the shops and, you know, that just can create a whole nightmare in and of itself. So just little things like that. But it's about saying not just here's knit lotion, but it's we love you. Absolutely. We see you. Yeah, you are seen. Um, Though your family's not here with you, though you're not um, getting support from the dad, whatever, you are not invisible. Um, We want to help. I think that's a beautiful thing you do. Well, what an awesome privilege it is to be able to be a part of that team. And then my other hat is pastor. So, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And so just spending a lot of time with people, particularly as the long-term impacts affect us all around our um, mental health, you know, the anxiety, Mm. the depression, you know, really this is a time where we need each other more than ever and the need for that is becoming very apparent yeah and have you found um that people are like that it's exacerbating mental illnesses that in people that you already have um an awareness of are you finding that people are um more fearful and anxious in general well it's a stress test right we're we're all been placed under stress so wherever we have those little uh, weak points in our in our lives it's really exacerbating those mm-hmm. so you know it is absolutely yeah I find myself feeling um oh my goodness so much more stressed and anxious and and not really fearful just you know overwhelmed I suppose let's not forget that uh, you know we just have you know it's the start of summer virtually today <laughs> Last summer it was bushfires I know. and, you know, climate change hasn't changed. I know. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of existential angst going mm-hmm. on and quite, quite justifiably so. And that's a time when you're asking, why are we even here? What's going on? Um, what's the purpose? What are your thoughts on that? Like, what, what is your answer, I suppose, to that feeling of um, why are we even here? Well, Loneliness, boredom, anxiety, frustration, these are all the places where spiritual energy is stored. Mm. And we need to have a set of practices developed that we can not try and escape those, you know, not get onto Netflix for 58 hours in a row, not drink ourselves into a stupor. And I'm not saying they're signs of weakness because that's what we've been trained to do. It's reflexive. You know, we fix people and we escape and avoid our own problems. If we can have a practice whereby we collectively sit together in the mess, then we have a greater chance of connecting with the broader questions that you've asked. Why are we here? What's the purpose? You know, you know, and we move from why me to how can I be in and through this time for others? So, mm. you know, for that's others. kind of for others. It might be the key. You just tack that on at the end, but I think that might have been the most important bit. <laughs> it's got to be for others, you know. We're not the centre of the universe and any good spiritual practice will quickly teach us that we, uh, you know, in some way we are best when we find ourselves necessary, significant, but not central. I think that's the perfect way of putting it. Um, I find when 
I'm the focus of me. I'm sure everyone does. When you are the main focus of you, then there's no there's no happiness there. You know. Mm. Um, Absolutely. And look, we we often say that uh, you know uh, we see a miracle occur when someone's pronouns change from I and me to us and we. You know, it's when we can see another. You know, so often people are so lost in their own pain and they're absorbed in their own self that they can't see a person. All they see is a means to an end. So we'll see it in a small way, like give me some soap and shampoo and give me this shower and give me, give me, me, me. And, you know, there's no real chance for a meeting there. But, you know, if we stay there long enough, people finally are given the opportunity to have that moment where they can collapse and realise that, what they're experiencing is not unique in the whole human span of history and that there are people who are actually here with them and for them. You know, we have a saying here which we say, there's no hole so dark and deep that God's not already at the bottom of it. And so we're there too. That particular quote which I had read in an interview, I believe, that you had done. I can't remember where the interview was now. It was a beautiful interview. But I had read that quote and thought, no, I have got to speak to this guy. <laughs> He's on the top of my interview list. Because that quote is um, it's radical, actually. It's a radical idea that there's no, you can't dig yourself in so deep that I, or you won't help. Um, that's quite a bold thing to say, too. Because people dig themselves into some spectacular, they practically hit, you know, the core. And I'm not saying we pretend that we understand what someone's going through. I just find images very helpful to guide me through life. So, you know, I think if we image ourselves standing at the top of the hole looking down, you know, all we're going to do is either throw words at someone or give them advice from the bottom. Whereas for me, the whole metaphor is how about I jump in the hole and we say, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the hell is going to happen next, but let's try and work it out together. You know, and, uh, you know, our, our other guiding metaphor is, I'd rather be lost with you than saved without you. Again. (sighs) I love that. I love that. So that's the answer to the question, what do I do all day, is I get lost. (laughs) I I get lost with others. I get lost from my sense of self and entitlement. And I collapse into this thing called community, which is what we're created for. So when you come in in the morning to Wayside Chapel... um, Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What does your day here look like? Like, what, what, can you just kind of walk me through? I mean, I bet, yeah, there's no average day here. That's my guess. But can you walk me through sort of a day here? Sure. So I have to walk through the park to get here. And often I'll start my day with a good conversation with someone who's waking up, probably under an awning or under a park bench, and see how they're doing, see if uh, they've had got through the night and are okay. Then I head in for a bunch of uh, meetings around the team I lead a management team here and check in with the frontline staff to see how they're going for the day and talk about what's going on in in the workflow and then I might have a couple of meetings with uh, politicians or people who have asked to come and visit the place and then uh, in between it all 
you know, I uh, get to spend time uh, in between meetings having the real meetings, which mm-hmm. is the real connections with people. So, uh, you know, I remember one day I went and was talking to the Prime Minister and 15 minutes later I was in the, I was in the boardroom and 15 minutes later I was in the gutter. You know, yeah. sitting talking to a mate who was we were waiting for an ambulance. As, um, he'd just been given some Narcan after overdosing on heroin. And so just sitting there in the gutter as his head was uh, between his legs and he was vomiting. And I thought, I get the best, I have the best life. Yeah. You know, I just, I get to, um, I get to be everywhere yeah. and uh, love everyone. And how wonderful to have that kind of range of people to know and share I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny when you you know you're heading into a meeting with a leader of the country and you got vomit stain on your shirt, <laughs> and, like, and you can't say it's my baby. No, it's a 28 year old. Yeah, <laughs> it's Wayside Chapel. It's okay. Everybody's welcome, right? Absolutely, and that's it. That's the point. You know, is you know you come in here, you'll you'll be met with arms open wide. I love that. Um, so you said that the, the kid had overdosed, kid, 28-year-old, the man had overdosed mm. um, and had been given Narcan. Are, do you carry Narcan here? Are you allowed to administer? I don't know the rules around it, but I know that I'm perplexed by how little I see. So the medically supervised injecting centre that's around the corner, they do community training. So anyone can do the training and then administer Narcan. So most of us here at Wayside have had the training and we have little... Uh, vials of Narcan that we can administer. Anyone can? Yeah, it's a community treatment. Because I have found myself twice in this neighbourhood in a situation where I saw someone who had overdosed and I called the ambulance, but um, I felt pretty bad that I couldn't do anything. Well, get in touch with um, MSIC yeah. and do the training and they'll and you can buy and you can purchase Narcan or get it from the pharmacy. Uh, I think that's... I, this is something I did not know. Again, for my listeners... <laughs> I, I didn't know this was possible. You guys should get on this. I mean, it's you could you could save someone's life. You are literally learning about the creative process, uh, vocation, and administration of Narcan all in this podcast. <laughs> Keep listening, well, people. You know, Narcan's an interesting one, though, because it literally saves your life. You can be um, on death's doorway, and then it turns you around in a half a second. But You, you must be very careful yeah. when you administer Narcan. <laughs> because <laughs> exactly. you've just spoiled someone's high. They can get... Pretty salty is the problem. Yeah, our, our staff are very good at knowing how to jab someone and, and then jump back. <laughs> right. Jab and run, jab and run. So while we were not recording, we ended up talking about the birth of your first daughter and how it was a very unexpected uh, birth plan. <laughs> Will you tell us? Yeah, so we, uh, well, we, I started. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing this. Thing. Yeah, we were having a baby. So okay. we were having this baby. It was very painful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Lisa was uh, in the early stages of labor and we didn't know what labor was. She didn't know what labor was. So she was having a handover meeting at work because she was a team leader in her department. She said, Oh, just go. I've just got to finish this meeting and hand everything over. She's very ordered and structured. My wife and uh, we're living in a very tight knit community in a little two bedroom flat and there were 14 flats and then. The word got out that Lisa was, you know, going to have the baby. So all of a sudden, everyone was at our house. I was making cups of tea. I was washing dishes with the gloves on. Lisa said, I'm not feeling well. I'm going to go for a rest. Five minutes in, I hear this scream, John, get in here now. (laughs) 
And I said, I'm washing dishes. I've got gloves on. She goes, get in here now. And so I listened and went into the room, opened the door, and there she was getting her tracksuit pants down. And there was the head of my daughter uh, right in front of me. And so I just kind of went into this panic mode and thought, what can I do in medical training? I can... I can be calm and maintain control in the situation. Mm. So I said to her, stop. We can work this out. What did, and how did you think that was going to happen? She said, I don't care what you fucking say. <laughs> this baby's coming out. And I think that is a spiritual quote of this I podcast. Think so I think when we start March, I might have to have that put on a T-shirt. Yes. So, you know, there, there she was coming, you know. Oh, my God. So this whole, the, the, the story about... Um, the birth, <laughs> you know, I think that, that the stop was kind of a panic response. Mm. Um, and I'm wondering, at your work, have you ever had an, an, an experience that was so intense um, and really kind of out of your control um, that you, you just wanted to yell stop or whatever, you just felt like you couldn't um, manage it? Look, my whole life's been a quite intense experience. <laughs> and so from a very young age, being the only immigrant family in our community, only people of colour in our neighbourhood always felt the brunt of either novelty or racism. So it was always, uh, my emotions were always on edge. I was always the only person like me in a room. And that kind of feeling of being on the outer has always kind of walked with me my whole life. So in tense situations, I've learnt how to kind of hold myself so that moment where my daughter was born, I thought that was quite an appropriate emotional response. <laughs> However, I have learnt how to maintain calmness because one of my first jobs out of school was to work as a youth worker in a juvenile detention facility. Okay, that would definitely help you on your path to maintaining um, at least a good poker face. Correct. <laughs> so probably taken a bit too much into my personal life. But maintaining calmness, look, I have maintained complete kind of zen calm while someone was strangling me once in um, in quite a fit of rage and I remember having his hands around my neck saying I think you just need to take a breath man and did he stop like on a dime yeah he did it three times uh, he tried to choke me out three times but each time I just said let's just calm down man let's you know this is not the way to deal with this pain. This is, let's just breathe together, man. And may I ask what the circumstances leading up to that were? Yeah, I, I was his mentor and we were just catching up. We caught up weekly and uh, we were just talking it out and um, s some issue in his life. And then he went into a bit of a dissociative mm. kind of state and just attacked me three times. But, you know, it was, yeah, it was quite the moment. I've also, in my previous work, when I was doing youth work in a community where there was a lot of gangs, if there was ever a gang brawl, I used to just run out to the middle of it. Did you really? Yeah, all the time. Have you not seen West Side Story, man? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just common, you know, just I thought, you know, you've got to just maintain that calmness and peace. You know, who's going to stand in the middle? You know, there's that story where in the Gospels where Jesus has a woman dragged to him who's been caught in adultery right they only bring the woman not the man and then the whole crowd's saying where is this in the bible yeah i don't remember this which, which, so a woman's which, been caught which? in adultery she's dragged to jesus uh -huh. and the whole crowd is saying 
let's stone her to death. Mm. And, you know, they say, Jesus, what do you say? And he kind of bends down in the dirt and draws something in the dirt. And then he just looks up at everyone and he says, if you're without sin, you can cast the first stone. Ah, okay, that's that. Yes. And we all know the phrase. We just don't necessarily know the story. We know the phrase. A lot of people try and guess what he wrote in the dirt. But what actually happened was in this intense situation, he sat in the middle in between the woman and the crowd. And he said, come on, another way is possible here. Mm. And so whenever there's been like brawls and fights and anything going on, and I've just always run into the middle of it. I see. I'm not saying it's because I'm good or I'm holy or I'm superior or I'm smart. In fact, it's just that kind of, I think when there are situations where two sides are facing off against each other, the key question to ask is who's standing up in the middle, Mm. right? Who's getting in the way here in a way that's going to make a difference? Because left to its own devices, it's going to, it's just going to collapse into chaos. Generally, yes. I I, got to say, I've never in my life stood in the middle of a fight. (laughs) <laughs> not done it you know once when uh, lisa was eight months pregnant there was a cup because we were in that tight knit community of flats there was uh, a lot of violence going on and one night we, one day we heard this scream and you know it was a husband beating into his oh, wife God. and lisa was eight months pregnant she ran downstairs stood in the middle of them and said you've got to stop and he it made the man stop because she was eight months pregnant mm. And, you know, Lisa said, you've got to stop because I love you both, right? She had her arms out. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's the picture, right? That is the picture. Saying someone's got to get in the middle. Well, God bless her for doing it, and she's very, very brave. But it doesn't always work that way. And she, we're talking in the context of a relationship. So, you know, we, we were friends with that couple. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't so they just weren't a rando. just like strange people in the neighborhood that like, okay, no. that makes me No, feel I'm better. the idiot that runs out in the middle yes. of randos. Yes, I caught all that. All the time. <laughs> Not the idiot part, though. <laughs> the fool. <laughs> no, yeah. no, not even the fool. Just, um, you know, I guess God's got your back. I think it really <laughs> stems from the fact that when I was young, and when I was being beaten up, when I was being treated like shit, I just wanted someone to jump in the middle and say stop. So that's the image I take into my life and my work and what guides me is who's going to stand in the middle in this situation? Who's going to stand in the gap? Uh, you're, you're a pastor mm. because it, it, you stand in the gap. You yeah, are, that's right. And, yeah. I, and I stand in the gap um, at, at a, and I look at people who are waking up in the gutter And I say, stand up. You know, you're welcome. And I look at people who are looking down and I say, hop down off your horse. You know, we're all just equal in this. Yeah. And say, if we can all just collapse, you need to collapse into where you are. You need to stand up. You know, and so often I take the inspiration from the Gospels where Jesus will talk to someone in complete despair and say, daughter, Mm. your faith has restored you. Mm. You know, and, and he will say to a religious leader, you know, you've got no idea what you're talking about. You know, it's all just show. You know, it's your heart that I'm talking about. Hop off that high horse. Come down from your tree. Right? Come down from your tree. 
<laughs> and so that's part of standing in the gap is, is you know saying to those who are beaten down by life stand up and those who think they're better more than others say hop down mm. and and that's where we have a meeting you know that's where we see our mission come to life where those two parties meet and i feel like i'm in the middle of it just with my arms out saying this is how we're meant to be guys what a privilege awesome right yeah couldn't imagine a better job seriously that's wonderful Okay, so I think we'll wrap it up. I really appreciate the time um, that you've given us because I know that you're a crazy busy person. Um, and I just want to tell our, our listeners who are maybe um, around Australia that if you wanted to donate to Wayside Chapel, you should most definitely do this thing. You should go to their website. Um, and, you know, a little bit helps. A lot helps. All of it helps. And also, if you live in the neighborhood, like drop by with some toiletries or some socks or some, you know, what you, whatever you got. I'm sure it goes to good use here. That's what I got. You guys have a great rest of the week. I'll see you in two weeks. And uh, this is Jenny Queen. So what do you do all day? deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.